and we welcome you into the spotlight presented by Oasis Live. Thanks so much for carving out a little bit of your afternoon on this Thursday. So excited that you could be here with us. If you are interested in buying or selling your home, give us a call 479-968-5668. Cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. Remember, if you have missed any of the spotlights, you can go back and check out the Facebook archives, check them out on YouTube or anywhere where you listen to your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes or Google Play, you can find them there. Today we have a front man for one of the biggest bands in the River Valley. He is an acclaimed musician and a local minister. Cannot wait to speak with him. One of my very best friends in the world, Zach George, joins us on the spotlight. Zach, how are you, man? I'm good, I am man. so excited. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to be here. This is this is cool because I mean you're you and I have gone back a, a, a long time. Yeah, we've yeah, yeah. gone through a lot of different stuff together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting to, to find ourselves in this stage in life where we are, you know, trying to do things for the community. And one of the things that I wanted to really uh, touch on with you right now is uh, celebrate recovery. Wanted to yeah. lead off with that. Uh, okay. That's something that's a that's a passion of yours. For the people who are listening right now, what is celebrate recovery? Well, celebrate recovery is a twelve step program. Uh, that's similar to AA and similar to NA, but it is faith-based. And so uh, the, the main difference between us and those groups is that we don't leave the higher power to chance. We believe uh, that God created the universe and that he is the highest power available. So, uh, But we do have several people within our ministry that don't necessarily believe that when they come uh, to us. Um, but we're just there. Our biggest goal is to create a community for people who need community. Uh, because a lot of times, uh, good recovery means you're going to burn a lot of bridges. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to get rid of family members and friends that have been toxic in your life. And so many people find themselves isolated after that. And so one of the things that we just long to do is to become kind of that new family, that new friends for people and create an environment where people can struggle together. Um, and so, I mean, we, we always start, we're, you know, Thursdays at our church at Westside Church of Christ. Uh, we start at six o'clock with a meal. And just get together and eat and, and fellowship and hang out around a table. And then after that, we move to a, a large group um, thing where we uh, we'll do a little worship together. We uh, hear a message about recovery or listen to a testimony. And then we uh, transition to our small groups, which is kind of the traditional, what everybody thinks about, you know, uh, recovery groups where you get to go around the room and, and share about what's going on in your life. Sure. And it, it sounds really simple. Um, but you know, one thing for me that 2020 really revealed was how badly we need recovery groups because I mean, we know a lot of people that relapsed last year without recovery groups. We know a couple of people that died from overdoses that were sober for a while. And uh, not to say that, um, uh, recovery groups were the only thing that prevented them from that, but they, they definitely were missed. And so uh, we're excited to be reopened now, uh, kind of in this, after the pandemic, uh, and to be open for the public, for anyone who wants to join, no matter what their hurt, habit, or hang-up is, we're going to be there for them and uh, just create a space for people to, to live life together, to struggle together, to to be open and, and honest with each other, which is kind of refreshing. So, The hard conversation about addiction is that it's very much stigmatized. There yeah. is a... The, the, a, a you know, maybe even a misconception that this the only a certain group of people can be addicted. And when you think of addiction, you're typically thinking substances, you're typically thinking right. of, you know, different things. But that's not always the case, is it? No, and in fact, in our in our case, it's about half. You know, about half the people that come to us aren't addicted to any substance at all. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, codependencies or uh, addicted to relationships or 
having struggles with anger or uh, depression or mental illness and things like that. And, and, and really, no one likes to think about this, but I think that a lot of us, most of us are addicted to something. You know, I talk to people all the time who talk about their, you know, food, you know, and you go on a diet or, and they're like, I just can't not eat bread. You know, people say that I can't not eat bread. Well, it's like, you allowed the bread to have power over you, right? I mean, right. that is in and of itself a substance addiction, right? Uh, so we all have that tendency. And again, if 2020 revealed anything, uh, stress, isolation, those things that were both high last year, I think probably caused a lot of people to go, man, some things creeped up that I didn't know that I dealt with. And, and I think, you know, if you, if you think maybe you, you could use a, a community like that or a place to kind of just figure it out. You know, we, we love to be that place uh, for you to come figure it out and, and see what's going on. And yeah, you're right. It is stigmatized. But one of the things that I love about what we do is we try to immediately destigmatize. We try to just be a place that feels welcoming, that feels loving. And the guy that looks like he's just an old guy who goes to church will get up and tell you his struggle first thing. Like that's what he does. And you just, you kind of lean in and you kind of breathe. You're like, man, if that guy struggles, I guess I'm okay to struggle too. You know? I want to I want to push on that point a little yeah. bit. If that guy struggles, then <laughs> yeah. then maybe I do too. Um, the the idea that a certain group of people are always addicts is yeah. is something that's prevalent. I think especially in this area. But again, you're saying not true at all. This is a a myriad of people. Yeah, no. In my experience, of course, in church work and ministry, um, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I get to speak in front of people, especially on a Sunday morning, is to like share a personal struggle like and and honestly it kind of makes people uncomfortable because they're like i'm not used to my preacher saying hey i have this struggle or i struggle with this sin but what i find is like people really lean into that because what's everyone thinking when they walk in they think i'm the most messed up person in the room mm -hmm. and everyone's thinking that right no if no i walk in the church or if i walk into this place lightning yeah. will strike yeah right i'm the most messed up person there if these people knew the real me you right. know everybody thinks that Everyone thinks it. And so when the guy that gets up in front of you says, hey, I'm a good for nothing, no good sinner too, everybody else goes, oh, thank God, I'm in the right place. Right. <laughs> you know, it, I'm a good company. <laughs> yeah. right. And so, you know, that's kind of the environment that we like to foster that, that no matter if you um, have been two days sober from intravenous drug use or 47 years sober from alcoholism or... Um, you know, just struggling with, with being angry at your wife and kids too much, you know, out of control, rage monstering, like you, you belong here and you're okay here. And, and we're not going to judge you for your struggle, but we're, we're also going to help you get through it and then help you together. We're going to struggle together and support each other through, through those issues. So we're going to circle back to celebrate recovery here in yeah. just a little bit with, uh, one of the things I was really excited to talk to you about is that I'm not sure that the people who know you may know oh that you have a whole life before this. Too. Yeah. <laughs> we had um, Rob McCormick and Ryan Harmon on recently. Sam Albright's coming on the show here awesome. in the next couple of weeks. We're excited about that. I wanted to talk music because okay, your, your career in music is fascinating. Oh, is it? It, well, to me, it is. Let's <laughs> let's see how many okay. people click it off right now. But, I mean, I mean, uh, talk about your time in acapella and just and 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 the fact that there is a rich musical scene here that many people I don't think know about. Yeah. So uh, growing up, I grew up in the the churches of Christ. And some of you, if you don't know anything about that, uh, the one thing that generally people know is that we are 
we sing without instruments in our in our worship gathering. So I grew up in an acapella home. And specifically, we grew up listening to this group called Acapella, which is, you know... Appropriately not, named. Yeah, not that creative <laughs> of a name. Uh, but when I was very young, I just really was fascinated with this group and the things they could do with their voice and the, the way they could make sounds that, that sounded like they were made with some instrumentation. And, and so I was really fascinated by it. And so I got to college after high school, and I just really wasn't feeling it. And uh, I had a friend of mine, a guy I work with now, Mark Hickson, who's our youth minister at Westside, he was on the road with acapella running uh, their audio. And uh, he said, hey, I know you're not really feeling college. How about you come on the road with us? And I was like, okay. So I came on the road just carrying speakers and learning how to design lights and getting into the feel of the things and singing with the guys. And it was just completely a fascinating thing. And then I was on vacation in Colorado, and I got a, um, a message from the producer, the guy that runs the whole operation, and said, hey, we need you to sing at the next concert in two weeks and I was like you know like I mean what do you mean and he was like we just we had a singer leave and just kind of and we need you to be there and so I I left I got on a plane drove or flew to Nashville Uh, a couple of the guys met me there I had kind of a general idea of of the concert but you know when you go to sit in with a band if any of your musicians like you think maybe you know how the parts go but you don't really know so, I mean, it was a struggle. But anyway, I, I say all that to say that that journey started for me at about, I was, I was about 19 years old. And then from then on, I became a member of the group for the next 10 years. I got to tour all over the country, all over the world, and sing the songs that I grew up hearing. Uh, if you're not familiar with acapella, it's similar to like the Gaithers, not a musical style, but that over the years, membership changes, but the music kind of stays right. the same. And so even during my time, we made our own new music and sang some of the old music. I got to travel the world and, and uh, sing you know this, this great music and tour and get that whole experience for 10 years of my life. And it really, it, it uh, gave me a career. I mean, it certainly taught me a lot about the music industry and, and even ministry because acapella at its core is a, a ministry, a, a Christian ministry. And so even, you know, learning how to lead worship and, and deal with people and, you know, because people would just come up and say, hey, this song touched me and I feel right. this way. And so there was a huge part of that that was just so, so wonderful. But even just the, the music and the touring, I mean, we'd go to places like Brazil or Japan and just feel like rock stars and people would recognize us in the mall and chase us down. I mean, it was very a fascinating experience. And so, uh, you know, but really shaped me as a singer. I, I grew a lot during that time and in, in, in being a musician and a vocalist and just getting to, to do music professionally full time for 10 years. I mean, what a real blessing. Like, sure. I mean, you know, you have guys like Rob McCormick who have, you know, the fact that Rob gets to support his family by playing music is a wonderful thing. I mean, some people think professional musician, you know, to make it, you got to, you know, be, I don't know, some famous, you got to be Bruno Mars or something, right. whatever to make it. I have to have heard of you, but I love that there are, you know, to, to transition to, to kind of our music scene, that there are people like Rob and Ryan and Jocko and like uh, uh, just guys in, in the Little Rock area and Fort Smith area that are just like out there working it and, and making music, making great music, playing clubs and, and just, you know, making their living, supporting their family, playing music. Man, it's a dream. It was, a, right. it was an awesome dream for me to get to do. And I still get to, to play it out some. Um, but I, I just, I love making music and, and it was an, a wonderful opportunity to get to do that for a living professionally for 
for 10 years. And, and honestly, when I was done, I was like, you know, if I died right now, I've done way more in my life right. than anyone has ever done. I mean, I've seen the world and, and gotten to play in humongous stadiums in front of screaming fans. And I mean, it just, uh, you know, it was a really life, life shaping thing. And, and there are days that I miss it. You know, there are sure. days when I'm like, I want to get on a plane and hop to Japan or something, but well, I mean, and let's talk about the scope of that because as we as yeah. as we sit here and talk, you you know, I, I think there may be a misconception. Okay, he's singing for a a church group that's going all over the country, right. but we're not necessarily talking about revival churches with fifty people. We are talking about stadiums with ten, fifteen, twenty thousand people. Yeah, at times. I mean, there yeah. were times we do concerts for three to five hundred people. I mean, but yeah, I mean, especially internationally, we would go to places, and there would be seven to ten thousand people in a in a sold out arena. I actually got to play uh, at Stravinsky Hall in Montreux, Switzerland, which is where they host the Montreux Jazz Festival. Anybody who's a musician knows that that is like one of the most coveted right. venues. And like, so we got to sign this book and ev literally every musician that you've ever heard of has played there. I mean, the Beatles, the Stones, I mean, all of them, uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen, I think filmed a, a live, I mean, it was just, you know, it's, the top of the line we got to experience some of the the greatest you know musical venues and yeah i mean there were times when we were touring churches and things like that and that was great and that was a part of what we did but that was the interesting part of it is that you would never know i mean one one time we got to sing at some prisons in arkansas in northeast arkansas we we came in and sang for the prisoners which was fascinating i right. mean it was just incredible uh an experience and then you know then we'd be in nashville at you know, Lipscomb University singing for an auditorium full of people or, uh, you know, be in, um, there's another place in Switzerland. If you're familiar with, with Switzerland at all, there's a city called Zurich and, uh, they have these iconic, uh, chapels or uh, cathedrals. In fact, I was watching a TV show the other day and somebody was in Switzerland and they had this chapel in the, or this cathedral in the background and it's called Grossmünster. And I was like, I did a show in that cathedral, like right, right there. And uh, they were telling us about it when we were there. And the uh, the foundation of that church was commissioned in 850 by Charlemagne. 850. Wow. Like things over here are old if they're like early 1900s. Right. Like, and that's 1200 years ago. Well, Charlemagne. <laughs> right. My boy Charlemagne was like, hey, let's build a thing. Right. Exactly. Someday Acapella is going to do a show in here right. in 1200 years. I foresee this. Yes. Yeah. I'm a linear. We from really now. sort of. Um, they had these concrete banisters that we like slid down. It was probably sacrilegious in some people's eyes, but well, but it may, it does humanize this aspect too. I, yeah. I do want to I do want to ask this question, and I, I ask Rob this, I ask Ryan this, okay. I ask you this now too. You know, when you're talking about these different venues, the scope of these different venues, does the dynamic of the performance change a little bit when you're singing for fifty prisoners versus ten thousand fans? You know, that's that's a question that I've been asked a lot. Um, for me, it's it's not about the number of people in the audience. It's about how into the show they are. Because, you know, I mentioned this specifically because uh, the, the stark contrast is we would play in these prisons. And, one, and the men's prison in particular, it was just in like the visitor center with like maybe 30 guys. But they were so into it. And it was like, I would play that every day. Right. And then we literally, the night after, we went to Nashville to play a venue we'd played a hundred times to a crowd we played to a hundred times. 
and it was a big crowd and it was a nice venue and it was a nice sound system and it was everything you want and they just like weren't into it and i remember thinking that moment like i would rather be in the prison right you know but ten thousand screaming brazilians is a whole other thing you know that that's a and so for me i think it's more about if the crowd is into it you know no matter how many people are in the crowd if it's 10 or if it's ten thousand. You know, it's just a really great experience to get to play music for people who are with you. You know, when you when you really captivate an audience, when you have their attention, when they're catching what you're throwing, like there's just nothing like that. You know, no matter how many people are in there. Exactly, audience. and that translates back into our local music scene too, yeah. especially with the in the last six years that the movement downtown yeah, and how downtown great. at sundown. By the way, July 24th downtown at sundown. Don't miss that. Danielle Hausnick was on the show last week. Yeah. Go back and check out that. Excited that's coming back. I am excited about that too. And yours truly is emceeing again. Look so at I'm you. excited. I don't know, right? Uh, they yeah. didn't invite me to play though. Well, I'm working on that. Okay, great. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but but let's talk about downtown at sundown because when you're talking about crowds that are into yeah. it. Here's a crowd of three to five hundred people, and you're gonna see my mother-in-law out front. She gonna Miss Pat's gonna be dancing. And Miss Pat's gonna be dancing. You're gonna see the beach balls moving around. That's a whole different dynamic. It's, yeah, isn't it? it changes you as a performer a little bit, I would think. Yeah, I would, th- and sometimes it's a bit of work in venues like that because they come and they're like, "Well, I'm gonna bring my lawn chair and I'm gonna sit with my friends, and I'm planning to sit and talk to my friends." But if you it's it's up to you up there on the stage to to get my attention mm-hmm. you know and i believe that wholeheartedly like generally i'm like if if the audience isn't paying attention there's it's almost i feel like it's my fault as a as a performer and i kind of went through this experience on july 4th because we went out there with some friends to do the fireworks and there was a band playing and i didn't really think much of it you know i was like man they got a band i've never really heard of them and I was, they were, I was blown away. Like, right. Backbeats, by the way, shout out. Great job. I, I thought they did a wonder, and I'd never heard them. And, and honestly, half the songs they did were a little bit out of my, actually, all the songs are probably a little bit out of my age range, but they really knocked it out of the park. And I sure. found myself just really enjoying what they were doing. And part of it was that you could tell they were really having a good time. Yeah. And that sort of, you know, and so I think as a performer, yeah, I mean, your whole thing about playing music is wanting to share something with people. And so, you know, if you're not into it, they're definitely not going to be into it. Mm-hmm. And the dynamic of the downtown shows is when, when, I, when we've played downtown at sundown, people are coming going, give me something, you know. And I've been surprised at like, you know, when Daz and Brie came, you know, their musical and genre. I know, I'm so excited. Their musical genre isn't necessarily what you would put for Russellville, Arkansas. You know, right. you wouldn't go, well, here's a bunch of old, you know, rednecks. I don't know who we are, but you, know, right, right, exactly. you would think that, they, but they came and they just killed it and the people were into it. It was awesome. And, and mostly because like, even if you didn't know the songs, like just watching them play at a really high level, you know, really good music. And they just really seemed to love what they do. And it was just captivating and you just wanted to drink it up. And I, and I love that about Russellville. I love that, that people come out going, we're going to give you a chance no matter who you are, whether we've heard of you or not. Whether we like the style of music you're gonna do, like we're gonna come bring our lawn chairs, you impress us, and they'll they'll give it to you if you give it to them. You know, I, I like it. We're talking to Zach George. He's one of the front men of the Beards and the Bees. We're gonna talk oh, a little bit more about that here in just a few minutes. But if you are interested in buying or selling your home, give us a call 479-968-5668. Cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. Remember, if you miss any part of this interview, you can always check it back out on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, or Spotify. So thanks so much for going ahead and doing that. Click the subscribe button, give us five stars, all of that stuff. Every bit of it. Say great things about it. Zach, I want to come back to this. Um, 
I am not sure if you had this experience, but I know that I, and, and, and I can't relate my musical experience to you. We played downtown at sundown as well. Um, but I've never played in Zurich, so I can't necessarily (laughs) relate on that level, but I can relate on the downtown level. I, I would like to ask this, this, does the dynamic of a performance change post parenthood? And what I mean by that is, is that when we started playing, um, Jamie and I were not married yet. Adora, um, I was in Adora's life, but I was not in the capacity that, that I'm in now. And now she sees, she's very much a part yeah. of what we do. Your two children are very much a part of that as well. Does it change you as an artist and as a performer? Well, you know, when, when uh, my son was born, I was still on the road and he would travel with us some. And so I've got some like old videos of him, you know, this high walking around with a microphone. And, sure. And, you know, my kids are fascinated with music, which is really awesome. I mean, I think they just love it because I love it. Right. You know, and so for me, I want to share that with them. And, and you know, your kids just love what you love. Like, I never yeah. really wanted to shove it down their throat, but just, uh, you know, my kids are into like beatboxing, which was like a part of my job in an acapella group. Right. And it's just funny that they they kind of take that on. But yeah, I mean, for me, like if my kids are in the audience, like I want to impress them more than anyone. You know, I want my kids to still think I'm cool. Uh, One of my favorite things about Rob McCormick is like, his kids still think he's cool. And they're like teenagers. They're in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And they still think he's awesome. They still think he's cool. And yeah, for me, it, it, it does change that dynamic because I want my kids to be proud of me. I want my kids to look at me and be impressed although sometimes they're jaded to my abilities like if sure. i do something that other people are fascinated by my kids are like that's just my dad that's just what he does making right? noises again you know yeah. <laughs> but when they love it like when they love it even just sitting around at home if we're playing music or singing music and they're just into it man that's that's so cool and and uh, it's really it's changed a lot in my dynamic as a dad because you know there's a lot of guys that make make their living playing and I had an offer the other night. Said, "Hey, why don't you come play this venue with us?" And it was like nine o'clock to one a.m. You know, which is how a lot of musicians around here make their living, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not really for me. You know, I'd rather right. sit at home with my kids and put them to bed, and and uh, you know, just work a, a job and make money. And and so for me, I think what's changed the most for me is that kind of the lifestyle part of it. You right. know, and being off of the road. Um, I just don't know that I would if I had the opportunities take a full touring schedule again because I just, uh, I don't know, man. I just want to be a dad to my kids, and I'd rather impress them in the living room playing guitar than I would in a stadium, you know. Um, But I do love when they get to come downtown or or whenever we're playing locally, and they're just, they're into it, and they're dancing. And I mean, there's really no no better feeling than, than making your kids, you know, think you're cool, I think. <laughs> so right. One of my favorite pictures of me and Adora is when we were playing downtown yeah. and she took, she took her little pink guitar with her Yeah. and nobody stopped her. She hopped right up on stage <laughs> with me that. and, and was playing that guitar. And I just thought that is the, that's the, the most precious picture I will ever have yeah. because she, that was just something that she loved. Yeah. She just enjoyed that moment. Just that emulation. And you know, uh, you know, Joshua's been into wanting to play guitar. He already plays piano, and he's been wanting to play guitar lately. Uh, the craziest thing that happened recently is um, we were listening to some Hamilton. He and I were driving the other day, and I threw some Hamilton on there. And, you know, I try to edit the parts out. That, but we were listening to it, and he just started rapping, like, every word. Right. 
And I was like, where does this come from? He was like, well, sometimes I play it in my room and like learn all the words. And I was like, this is insane. Where did that come where from? Where did that yeah. come from, you little white kid? Like, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> But he's like rapping and like, it's just, again, it's just, I loved it. So he was like, oh, let me pick up this thing that my dad loves. And uh, man, that was, it really, I mean, just did my heart good to, to see him love what I love, you know, and, and to be good at it. I was really surprised at how fast he could rap. It was one, of the, one of the things that fascinates me about you and your family, because I've known all of you for so long, was that your brother Nathan, who's been on the show, was the front man for Dart from day one for a long time. He was he was out on the road as well. Yeah. Uh, two different uh two two different musical tastes. Yeah, tastes and styles. Uh, two sure. different two different places. But now you're you're both the front man for the beards and the bees. Yeah. Um is it different doing this together now? It's fun. I, I will say that like, you know, my family growing up, we sang. That's what we did. Sure. Um, we didn't hunt and we didn't fish. We like sang at people's funerals, you know, because my dad was a preacher. And right. so that's what. And still is Mount George Church Yeah, we, we would get out of school to go sing at someone's funeral, you know, <laughs> and and that's just what we did. We sang together. And so uh, and we still enjoy doing that. You know, my brother and I really enjoy making music together. It's one of the things that just uh, it's unique, I think. I mean, I, there are definitely some families that that do that, but it's really fun for us to get to enjoy watching each other sing, watching each other enjoy music, getting to harmonize together, getting to create sure. together. Um, it is really a lot of fun. And it's, um, you know, we, one thing about great musicians is when you play, and this is why I love playing with the beards, is like, there's sometimes just a look, you know? It's just that look that we give and we, we create stuff on stage together. And it's even more so when it's your brother, like right. sometimes he'll go off on a thing and I'll be singing harmony with him and I can just feel where he's going. You know, I just know where he's going to take it. And the same thing happens with him. And sometimes we just find each other laughing because it's like, how did we do that? Right. You know, and it, it when it comes together, when it works, it's so much fun. And, and I love listening to him to, you know, sing his rock music. And I, I, you know, sometimes wish I could do that. You know, he just has that kind of that vibe and, and I love it. And so it's it's been a lot of fun to get to, to make music with him. Beards and the Bees are a super group. Are I we? mean, I, I would think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, from from a musical standpoint, you really are. And 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 let's talk about that for a few minute, few minutes. You've got you and and Nathan, of course, and then Matt Bewley, Joey Balch, and Dylan Riley, who I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm personal fans of. For Dylan Riley can do anything. Dylan Riley is, and 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 I know he doesn't have social media, so he's probably not going to see this. But I hope everybody does. Dylan Riley might be the most underrated musician who lives in this area. He certainly, and listen, I've, again, played all over the world with lots of different people. Dylan is one of the best musicians I've ever played with. And very unassuming. He, he doesn't even think he's that good. Right. But he, And most musicians that I've heard who are really, really good will tell you, ah, I'm all right. Yeah, but it's not even with him. It's not like a humble brag. It's not even a, he just like, he doesn't have a ton of confidence in himself sometimes, except when he's playing. Right. And then he just, man, he just, something else comes out and, and he could do anything. Like he could play any instrument. He just figures it out and he's so good. And then uh, we got Dave Watterson who. Uh, Killer guitar player. Man, I just, uh, I just love, love to hear him play. And then Nathan Sanders on the keys. I mean, it just works, man. It just, it, it just was also works. a studio musician at one point. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys have been pros. I mean, even Dylan had, had some pro experience. Uh, you know, Matt and Joey are just kind of what I call the glue because they're the guys like Joey in particular, he knows the structure of every song. He's the one who keeps the book on every song. Right. Like he just knows it in his head. And if we don't know where we're at, Joey will tell us. 
and and we need that because the rest of us are just kind of off on a right and then you know matt kind of is really good at thinking creatively on his feet and he knows music and so a lot of times he'll just yell something out on stage while we're playing that we've never practiced by the way and it just works and we'll just jam out and it's a ton of fun i mean when it's really clicking there's just nothing better i mean it just gives me chills thinking about i mean even just in practice even if there's not a crowd if it's just us like honestly doing music as a job while it had its great benefits a job is a job right right and jobs still have even if it's the best job in the world it's still like nah, i gotta go do this thing right the great thing about the beards is that like we practice when we have a show or sometimes if we haven't in a while we'll get together just to jam and everybody's just there because they enjoy it there's nothing on the line you know we're not making a ton of money there's not a lot on the line. It's not asking a lot of us. We can bring our families. We can, you know, and everybody in the group's a family man and everybody's right. got kids and every, you know, and that's highly valued by all of us. And so we don't ask a lot of each other. But also when every musician is top-notch quality, when you get together, it just doesn't take a lot. You get together and you're like, here we go. And it works and it clicks. And it's just so, it's just, there's just nothing like it. There's just nothing like that feeling of when something's working, it just, it just works and you're making music together and it's man i have had some great experiences playing music but some of my most fun uh musical experiences have been with the beards i mean just even in the short time we've we've been playing together right um, the, the shows that have been around here have really changed i think the culture of the music scene in russellville because it's opened up so many new avenues you've right. got the beards and the bees who are going to play downtown and you see um, and and you see Sam Albright's and you see mm. Rob McCormick's and then Nick and Sam yeah. who have done incredible and they're coming back for downtown. Yeah, um, and and I, I have to walk back a statement. Uh, Dylan Riley is the most underrated musician in the River Valley, but he is tied with Jeremy Huddleston. Yeah, and that I mean, guy's played with everyone too. I right, mean, he just he can do anything. Exactly. We're talking to Zach George, one of the front men of the Beards and the Bees. If you were interested in buying or selling your home, give us a call four seven nine nine six eight five six six eight cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. I want to wrap up the music conversation by, by talking about this side of it. I'm fascinated by process. Um, you know, inspiration comes from a, a myriad of different sources. Yeah. Um, when you're sitting and you're writing or when you're trying to put together something creative, what is your process? From start to finish, where do you go? Yeah, you know, it's different for a lot of people, and some people start with, you know, sheet music or whatever when they do. And, and a lot of stuff that I create or arrange just starts with me hitting record on something and and just laying down whatever's in here, you know, whatever comes from head to mouth and and then just adding to it. And, you know, and even my own personal, you know, I've been working over the last several years to come up with my own personal kind of acapella project and I arrange music for, for my job too. And so a lot of that is just kind of, I mean, the process probably just sounds boring to some people, but, you know, I'll just sit with an open record on and, and start something and then stop it and then click over it and try a harmony and then try this and try this. And it's all within like the safety of my own because I don't think I could bear putting something out that someone thought was bad. Right. So like, I'm just like making sure all the doors are locked and no one can hear it. And like, let me just try to fail. Be, it's be able to, to have a space where I can fail. <laughs> <laughs> right and try some stuff without out, people hearing, without people hearing it besides me yeah. and it's interesting because a lot of the artists that we've talked to musicians artists whomever it's all very much the same thing when when you are a creative person you put something out there and somebody doesn't like it it's almost like they don't like a part of you 
Yeah, especially with art, because so much art is the expression of the self. Mm. And so you, it is a, well, I say this all the time, like we're, people most commonly sing in the shower, right? And in the shower is where you feel not only the most vulnerable, but the most safe, right? Because, right. I mean, you're safe to be naked in there scrubbing right. yourself. You right, know, exactly. Like, so, <laughs> I mean, so people sing. And so it is a very, like, intimate thing that you need to feel safe about. And creating art is that way. And so it's great risk you put out by saying, I created this thing, put it out there. And so many of us artists are just, um, we're, we're like attention, uh, what's the word for we just really need, we want that attention. And so part of it is like putting ourselves out there and going, please love me. Right. By please loving my music. And so it is, it is a great risk um, that you put on creatively. Um, but I've started to kind of, for me over the last few years, in just my own recovery as a person and my own, is to just go, let me put out what I love. Right. And, and if people are vibing with it, that's awesome. And if they're not, that's okay too. You know, to try to not be as is codependent with my music and just go, let me create something. But still there's that space where I don't want anyone to hear it until it's like finished. Right. But then once I put it out, I'm like, hey, if you like it. But I mean, some of the best stuff that I love that I've created, not a lot of people like, and I'm okay with that. You know, they're like, it's not my favorite, but I'll go back and listen to it and be like, man, look at that part, you know? It's so interesting. Um, the last downtown show that, that we did, we debuted an original that I had written. Yeah. And it was, the most terrifying thing <laughs> yeah. that I have that I probably have ever done in my life, aside from just trying to become a parent. Right. That that was terrifying. It's scary. And when people said they liked it, here's what was interesting. My mind said, "Okay, I'm never making anything else ever again." <laughs> That's it. I quit. That's <laughs> it. Okay. Somebody liked this. This was uh, good. It got a radio play. I'm done. I'm yeah. never doing it. it. It's strange how that works, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. If you're I, like me, you're like, I want more of that. Let me do that again. You know? I was like, I, I start. I, I end, I'm going to end this on a high note. Exactly. <laughs> going to retire my one hit, my wonder. Yeah, and it's different too if you're creating by yourself versus if you're creating with other people, because then it's it's like you have give and take with each other, and it's safer because you feel like, well, the three of us did this together, and we all like it. So hey, if that's okay, maybe more people will like it right. versus creating by yourself, which is. You know, with the beers, it's mostly cover music, but we put our own spin on it. Sure. And so generally it just, it comes down to what we like and what we jam out to. And then it's, it was really fun for us when other people got it, mm -hmm. you know, because we sometimes we'll put like, you know, we did uh, Ricky Martin's Livin' La Vida Loca. You know, we, we meshed it with a couple other pop songs. And it, if I were to say that to you, you'd just be like, that's weird, you know? But, but in it just, the moment. It just worked, yeah. Right. We did Sign, Seal, Delivered by Stevie Wonder, and then we tagged it with Umbop by Hanson at the end. And, like, some people would just slap you in the face if you right. even thought about doing that. <laughs> right, just it, saying that sequence of words together. It just worked. <laughs> and, and, like, that's the cool thing about that avenue is we just have the freedom to play and just be like, hey, what if we put these two songs that don't make any sense together together? Or, like, uh, when we do Can't Stop the Feeling, uh, there's, like, a we do a little, like, gospel ending to it. And it just, man, it just works. It's so much fun. And and the cool thing about it is when you do it and people are like, oh, that was cool, you know, and they're really feeling it. Uh, but again, we, as a band, like create that together and, and we like it, you know. Right. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, there, there's something in the creative process that it takes some vulnerability. It takes some risk taking. But that's when it's good, man. You know, it, it's when it's not cookie cutter, when someone's taking the risk and, and putting something out there. That's when I really love it.
We're going to circle back to Celebrate Recovery. We're talking to Zach George. He is over at uh, Westside Church of Christ. He's the worship pastor there, one of the front men for the Beards and the Bees. If you're interested in buying or selling a home, give us a call, 479-968-5668, or cruise on over to RussellvilleLiving.com. Uh, Zach, let's, uh, let's let's talk Celebrate Recovery as we as we kind of wrap this thing up. I I know that Westside has it. There are several other churches yeah, across right. town that have them as well. So if you were looking, um, seek out your local church or different venues even have have, have CR. For you, what's the, the biggest benefit you see people receive as they walk through CR? Yeah, I think for me, just I think the biggest benefit is the community of people because so many people, like I said, like just feel like they're struggling on their own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the worst thing about struggling is struggling in isolation and struggling in darkness. And one of the things that we teach is that, you know, darkness is kind of food for addiction. You know, darkness, and I mean darkness even like, even just sit in your room in the dark. Like, but, but what I mean about darkness is holding that stuff in, burying those issues. But the great thing about the, the open share part of what we do is people get to speak that out loud and you know sunshine is a great disinfectant sure you know and when you bring light to those issues when you when you share a secret that you think makes you the worst person in the world and the guy next to you goes hey thanks for sharing man like just a weight is lifted and you're and you see healing in people you see people sit up higher the the weight lifts off of them and so i think just that community that safe space for people to go man i really struggled with this this week and for somebody to look at you and go I don't think any differently of you. I still love you. I'm still here for you. Um, I think everybody needs that in their life. And if you don't have that, I mean, we would love to be that for you, but find that with your friends. Like find a safe person that you can unload with and that they won't change the way they think about you. Every Everyone needs that. But we understand that not everybody has that. And so, you know, that's why we exist to create that for people. Zach George, he's one of the front men for the Beards and the Bees. So glad that you could be here with us. Hey, we got to do this again, brother. Yeah, anytime. This was fun. Five minutes from now. Uh, five minutes from right now. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that right again. All right. Thanks so much for joining us on this edition of the Spotlight. Coming up next week, Raul Torres from Main Street Mission. Easy for me to say. Try that one more time here in a little bit. Also, head coach Mark Downey from Arkansas Tech University. He's the head men's basketball coach. We'll be talking with him. Tady Marie, she's an Instagram influencer from right here in Russellville. She's been walking the red carpet over in Hollywood. We'll be talking with her next week as well. So excited about all of those things coming up on the spotlight. And then don't miss tomorrow, Holton Lee from Strikers Bowling Alley is going to give you some updates on what's happening over there. All the fun stuff that you can have for summer fun right here in Russellville. For now, my name is Drew Brent. Thanks so much for joining us here on the spotlight. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.